the last point I want to make to all of you in the Masaib is a piece of advice, if you don't mind. I'm in no position to advise all of you. It's just advice for all of us. The reality is that in the next 10 nights, you will meet people and see people that you haven't seen all year long. Sometimes communities get a good read on how big their community is by the first 10 nights of Muharram. They don't realize how many numbers there are until the 7th, 8th, 9th of Muharram, until the day of Ashura when, my goodness, there are this many people inside of our Jamaat. And that's the reality everywhere. I'm not, I'm not here talking about why that happens, why it shouldn't happen, why it should happen. That's not my point. My point is that I want us to kind of avoid the idea of placing labels on individuals. And please hear me out. Sometimes, you know, we have these labels, don't we? 10-day Shias, 3-day Shias, Ashura Day Shia, for example. Those of us who frequent the center all year round, for some reason we sometimes believe that we have the right to judge the spirituality of others and the closeness to Allah of others. Because we don't see them in the physical building, we might feel that they, they, you know, they don't have the connection at all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so sometimes, you know, in our attempt to be humorous or our passive aggressive nature, we make comments to people that we haven't seen all year round. And those comments can cause a lot of damage. And to bring my point across, I just want to share with you one story. It's a story that I, I, I shared in last Sunday's majlis at Al-Mahdi for Tiflan Muslim. And those of you who were there, I apologize for the repeat, but this is a story for the first night of Muharram. And then Masaib, inshallah. A student of the Hausa, young student of the Hausa studying in Qum. All of you with me, inshallah? Yes? Sallu ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. A young student of the Hausa studying in Qum, he approaches his teacher and says to his teacher that, Ustad, I want to go to Najaf to study. This was, of course, true story back in the day when Najaf was the central hub of the Hausa studies in the Shia world. Anybody who was anybody went through Najaf. He says, sure, no problem. So he packed up his books, very excited. And student life in the house, of course, isn't very luxurious. So he attaches himself to a qafla, a caravan, that's going to Najaf from Qum for ziyarat. Now what was common back then was that there used to be thieves and robbers on the path from Qum to Najaf waiting for, for caravans to loot them, to rob them. This young man with his books now attaches himself to the qafila. They make their way towards Najaf. In the middle of the night, they, they, they decide to what? Pitch up their tents, of course, and rest for the night. And lo and behold, there are a set of robbers that, came, that, that, that have come and began, of course, looting this caravan. And they announced that I want all of your belongings, whatever you have in your bags, empty them in the middle right in front of me, the robbers say. The young man comes and all he has, of course, are these books. Puts the books inside the pile. 
When everything is done, the young man with a lot of himmat, a lot of strength, approaches the robber, says, look, Mr. Robber, inside of your pile of things are my books. They're torn, they're ripped, I've written in them, my notes are in them, they're no value to you at all, but they're everything to me. Just give my books back. That's all I ask. The robber says that in the distance you see that hill, there's a light on top of that hill, there's a man standing on that hill, he's my boss. Go and ask him for permission to get, my, get your books back. If he says yes, no problem, they're yours. Young man now, again, with himmat, goes to that hill, that light, and sees a man there who's on top of the hill, and he's praying namaz shab salatul layl. And he waits until he's finished. And he's very confused, and he says that I've been told that you are the chief and the boss of this circle of robbers where you have a business where you rob people going towards Najaf. He says, yes, that's me, how can I help you? He says, well, one of your employees took my books and I want my books back. They are of, of no value. Believe me, you'll get nothing for them. He summons his robber, he says, give him his books back. He takes his books, he goes on his way, he stops for a moment, turns back around, goes back to the chief, a lot of himmat, a lot of courage, and says, if you don't mind me asking, on one side, you are the chief of this whole circle of robbers. You loot and you rob people, innocent zawar who are going to Najaf to say the Salaam Surah Mullah. But on the other side, in the middle of the night, you're praying namaz al-shab. Can you explain this to me? The man's perplexed. He looks at the young man and says to him that no one has ever asked me that question before. He says that you're right. I do all of this. I loot people, I rob them, I take whatever belongings they have. The one act that I do for God is this namaz al-shab. I don't sleep at night. It's the one thing I do to somehow justify everything else I do. We do that a lot. He says, okay. And the young man moved on his way, ends up in Najaf, decides to go for ziyarat one day. In front of the dhari of Amir al-Mu'mineen, he sends her, sends his salams. He can hear the sound of a man crying, wailing, crying, wailing. He goes around the corner, he sees the, the same boss, chief, in front of the dhari of Amir al-Mu'mineen on his hands and knees, begging and crying for forgiveness. This young man approaches him, picks him up. He says, do you recognize me? He says, no, I don't. I was that young man with the books. He says, yes, now I remember you. He goes, you're here in front of the dhari. What's going on? He says, your one question sparked everything inside of me. And I decided to change my life completely. And now I'm begging my mola for his forgiveness to get me Allah's forgiveness. My brothers and my sisters, there are people who enter this masjid and this hall after not spending the entire year in this building. And they muster up the courage to put on their clothes and get on the car and drive to the masjid. They haven't been here in months 
and park their car and make that walk from their car to door number whatever, enter there and sit inside the majlis, knowing full well, maybe feeling this weight of stress or weight of anxiety, knowing full well the last time I was in this building might have been last Ashura. And he recognizes, he may feel like all eyes are already on me. People are talking about me, whispering, paranoid perhaps. And someone like you and I come up to him and say, oh, ho, oh, oh, look who's here. Wow, I can't believe you're here. Wrong turn, buddy. Is there food today? Are you sure you're in the right place today? all these things that we say. And we say it maybe as humorous, maybe as a joke. But we don't know for a moment with what umid and what hope and what stress and what anxiety that man has entered the majlis of Imam Hussein. You have no idea. Maybe he does everything else. The one thing that he does, he sits on this farsh azza every single year. And you don't know the past six months, maybe he's gone through extreme difficulty. High level of stress, high level of anxiety, high level of depression, suicidal thoughts, has tried every door there is, knocked on every door from some sort of help, every door has closed on his face, and then he's heard about a door from when he was this big, the door of Hussein. And I heard that tonight is the first of Muharram. Let me go and let me see if there's any sort of salvation or hope in this door and bring my weights and my skeletons and my closet and my sins and my mistakes and my anxiety, come and sit in a mehfil. Maybe I might feel lighter. Maybe I might feel like I belong to something. Maybe Imam Hussein might have some karam and generosity on me. Maybe I might feel like I'm not a complete failure. And with that hope, with that omid, they enter that masjid, they enter this door, and the first person they see is, oh, ho, ho, they cook on mashallah. Look who's here. Where have you been? And that's it. And every single fear he had is all true. I knew I shouldn't have come. And he may, naked, he may never come back again. Instead, maybe we can bring him in and say, you know how much I've missed you? You know how it is, it's, it's nice to see you? Embrace him. Ask him about his family, about his friends, about his job, about his wife, about his marriage. Come and bring him a cup of tree, a tea and break bread with him. Give him a piece of your mandazi, it's okay. Give it to him. Sit there and talk to him. Maybe that cup of tea might be the salvation he needs. Maybe now all those fears he had in that one brief moment, because wallahi, I tell you, it takes a spark, and that's it. That took that one question of that one kid to that one man, that why namaz is on one hand, and why robbing people on the other, was enough for him to do what? Be on his hands and knees in front of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Welcome those people. Welcome that young kid who walks in 17 years old. He might have a funky hairdo, some piercings, some tight clothing, whatever. Don't stare at him. Don't gawk at him. Welcome him. Sit him beside you. Ask him his name. Welcome him to the community. Sit there and offer a piece, uh, you, you know, some, some, some tea. And make sure that you let him know that, look, this is not my farshi azah. It belongs to Imam Hussein. 
You have seen, I have seen, hearts change in an instant. I've seen individuals come in with a hard shell, but that hard shell is a cover-up for what's truly inside of them. A fragile individual who's on the verge of breaking down completely, and the one glue could be the farshi azah of Imam Hussein. And God forbid, because of our passive-aggressive comment or our attempt to be funny, we all, of course, wash that aside. We have to take everybody with us on this journey towards salvation. Imam Hussein, until his dying breath, did his best to do what? To save the nation around him. 